This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, welcome in Sinking Truth Podcast alongside uh, me, Mark Schlereth, Mike Evans, uh, the actual host of the show. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in and uh, sharing and uh, subscribing and doing all those things that you do. Mike, how are you, buddy? Great, great. We've yeah. got a lot of stuff going on. We're about, what, two weeks away from the start of the NFL draft. Right. A lot of buzz. So we'll start to get into that. But NFL continues to churn out stories. Odell Beckham Jr. finally has a home with the Ravens. Good fit? Well, I mean, what have I told you now for six weeks on this podcast and everything else that we do together? That there's, like, Lamar Jackson is coming back to the Baltimore Ravens. Do you think Odell Beckham Jr., is signing with the Baltimore Ravens if Lamar isn't coming back? I would say absolutely no way that happens. So, uh, you know, and and exactly what that contract looks like, I don't know. But Odell Beckham Jr., coming off the ACL, he's had that time. I think he was able to go last year, decided not to go back to any team last year. Um, And I will tell you this about Odell, and I know – you know, he's been fairly mercurial over time, you know, with his time in New York and then his time with the Cleveland Browns and then with the Rams. I think when he went to the Rams, Mike, in that franchise, winning a Super Bowl with the Rams against the Bengals, um, what he was doing in that game before he tore his ACL, but what he did during the course of that season. Now, I'm a bit biased because the wide receiver coach – of the Rams is a guy by the name of Eric Yarber. Eric Yarber and I were teammates at the University of Idaho. Eric Yarber is a not a good coach. He's a great coach, great football coach, one of the best players I've ever been around. Um, little dude, you know, five foot six, 140 pounds, and was just a football playing Jesse. And when you watch his receiving core, whether it was Robert Woods back in the day, whether it was Cooper Cup, those di- those guys all did the dirty work. All of them did things to create opportunities for other people on that team. And when I watched those receivers do that, Odell Beckham Jr. benefited from playing there because he saw them do it, and therefore he was required to do it. Because at the time, remember, he was coming off another injury. At the time he went there, I think he was coming off an injury. Maybe he wasn't coming off an injury then. But at the time, um, he had been dumped maybe from Cleveland, whatever it was. I can't even remember the backstory to that. But... Um, it doesn't really matter. He was coming there as not the number one kind of go-to savior of that organization. Cooper Cup was having, I mean, an MVP caliber season. Robert Woods was considered their kind of most complete receiver. Like, they had guys doing all that dirty work for them. And when he came in there, 
I had talked to Yarbs just about, wow, like I watched him block on a bubble screen. You know, they throw a bubble screen. I can't even remember who it was to, Robert Woods or whoever it was. And here's Odell Beckham Jr. trying to take somebody's head off. And I was like, dude, that is, that's different. Like what he's doing is different. And, you know, I, I think it was, I think it was very valuable for him to be in that, in that receiver room and to be coached by Yarbs, but to, to see what those other players are doing and sacrificing for one another. And and so I think he's become a more complete receiver in that. And so I think this is, for the Baltimore Ravens, this is a great, this is great in, in several different ways. One, I think he's a more complete player than he was when he came in the league and was just spectacular. And he was spectacular with the Giants. But I also think that it ends the excuse of, well, you've never given Lamar a weapon. Okay, now that excuse is gone. You can't say that anymore. So I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what this looks like with Lamar, considering the fact that they dumped Roman, Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. They went out and got a longtime offensive coach in Todd Munkin, who's been a coordinator, who's coached in the NFL for a long time, coached in the college game for a long time. Like, there are no more excuses if you're the Baltimore Ravens and you're Lamar Jackson. It's time to either shit or get off the pot. I want, I want to get back to Lamar in a second, but, but staying with OBJ, with him, do you feel like the substance has matched the hype? Now, he's had the benefit of the incredible start on the big stage in New York with the Giants. Then sure. he goes to L.A. Sure. and kind of resurrects his career and wins the Super Bowl. So he's done it in New York and L.A. on big stages. But in between, there's just been a lot of, you know, injuries and controversy and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, eh, football. Right. Is, is he one of those guys that does the the hype match the actual substance. Yeah. I think there was a time um, that it didn't. There was a time where it was more about going and watching him make a bunch of one-hand catches in pregame than it was about his production in-game. And his production in-game has always been good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the guy is the guy is a well-respected player. He is a guy that produces, um, and he is – ridiculously talented. There's no question about any of that. Really good receivers out there. Right. Well that don't get the hype that he gets. Yeah, but he gets that hype because he can make the spectacular. Like he makes the sublime look routine. And it's special. On film, when you're another player and you're watching it, you're like, wow. Like that he just did that. But like I like I'm telling you, you know, when you start talking about route and route combinations and the dirty work and all the things that are required to be a good football team, I think that's where he grew leaps and bounds in the year he spent with the Rams. I really do. Like, you look at you look at everything in the league when you're running routes and route combinations, the precision, especially when you're not the primary. Like, when you're the primary, you know you're getting the ball. It's easy to run a good route then, right? It's easy to do things right then. When you're not the primary, when you're a secondary route and spacing is required and you make you got to hit your mark and make sure you do that right, like, that's when you can get lackadaisical. And when you get lackadaisical, like, that's when that's when people are like, oh, shoot, well, I don't have to cover that dude. Like, I can slough off. Um, you know, and, and you see it. You see it, like, all the time. Like, for instance, a, a concept in the NFL is called drive, okay? Everybody runs drive. And that's somebody running a shallow cross, shallow cross at about about four yards, right, as you're 
crossing the formation, and a basic behind it. And a basic is about a 12 to 14 yard in cutting route. And so if you are not on your mark, for instance, if you're running the drive at four yards and the basic you're running at eight yards, well, that middle linebacker now can cover both routes. And so all of a sudden he's kind of sitting and you throw it to the basic and he just goes, whoop, picks it off. And everybody goes, well, your quarterback sh- you know, sucks. And you're like, no, 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 that route combination sucked, right? That's not a good route combination. And so you get into those scenarios where that secondary route and doing that dirty work and doing the stuff that, that is required for your offense to have success, I think that's where when you go to a team that plays that way, when you go to a team that's coached that way, when you go to a team that's, that, that they demand that of you, like you become a better player. And I thought Odell during that time in Los Angeles became a better player had a better global perspective of what's going on because he comes in and he's spectacular right off the bat. Well, you're the, you're constantly the primary. Now all of a sudden you've got Cooper cup and you got Robert Woods and like, you're no longer the pri. You got to fight for your reps, Mm -hmm. right? You got to fight for your opportunities. And I think, I think he did that and he became, to me, he just became a better player under that scenario. You know, it, it goes back to, little tells and little things that happen to you as a, as a player. And I remember uh, Deion Sanders telling a story about coming over to the Dallas Cowboys for practice. You know, he's with San Francisco 49ers. And he's in practice, like, picking off every ball and just leaving routes. Like, leave, like he had this responsibility. He'd be in the deep thirds or whatever, and all of a sudden, boom, he'd be in the middle of the football field picking one off. And everybody's like, dude, how do you know? Like, how do you know where to go? How do you know they're not throwing it to your side? How do you know? Like, how do you know all this? And finally he goes, well, it's easy. And he's like, well, when, you know, I don't know if it was Michael Irvin or whoever. Michael Irvin comes off the out of the huddle and lines up. I'm just saying Michael Irvin. I don't know. Maybe it was Harper. Maybe, I don't know who it was. But it's like when he comes and he lines up, if he adjusts his gloves, he's the primary. If he doesn't readjust his gloves, he ain't getting the ball. So I don't cover him. <laughs> like, it's not that hard. It's pretty simple. And there's little things like that, little tells like that, when you study the film properly, that you can pick up and you can get yourself opportunities to get picks and to go to Pro Bowls and do all that stuff just by the way you study the game. Now, by the way, uh, Deion Sanders now the head coach of the CU Buffaloes, and I highly recommend people check out a video of Deion Sanders staring down an 800-pound buffalo charging at him. It is great, great mm-hmm. stuff. Back to Lamar Jackson. You, Yes, you are very confident that Lamar Jackson will be back with the Ravens. But under what, in what context is he... L- you know, crawling back, signing the franchise tag? Is he working out that long-term deal that gives him Deshaun Watson type money, or is it something in between? I think it's I think it's something in between. I think that I've always told you that, man, the Baltimore Ravens, I, I truly believe John Harbaugh loves Lamar. Um, they gave him that opportunity. They changed the whole offense around his skill set. Like, they developed their own offense. Um, you know, he, he, he was an MVP, all those things. Like, it... It's kind of a chicken-egg thing when you're talking about Lamar. You know, everybody wants to tend to, to give Lamar all that credit, and he deserves a ton of the credit. There's no question about that. But let's not forget that the Ravens not only moved back up in the first round to draft him, 
But then when Joe Flacco got hurt, reconstructed an offense under Marty Mortingwig at the time to take advantage of his sublime skill set. Okay? So there is, you know, there is um, success has a lot of fingerprints. There's a lot of fingerprints on his success. And, and we just tend to go, oh, he won the MVP. He can do that anywhere. Like, pump your brakes a little bit now. It's just like I get this all the time when people say, well, Sean Payton, Sean Payton in Denver, like, what's he going to do for Russell Wilson? I mean, yeah, he went to, you know, went to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl and he went to the playoffs a bunch of times and he won 10 games a season, but he had Drew Brees. Uh, is that the same Drew Brees that the Chargers decided to get rid of because they drafted Phillip Rivers? Like, they thought so much of Drew Brees that in the first round, after he was a second-round pick and had success, they decided it was best to dump him and go after a first-rounder? Or was that the same Drew Brees that had the shoulder injury and the Miami Dolphins decided that Dante Culpepper was a better choice than, than Drew Brees? That's the same Drew Brees, right? Success has a lot of fingerprints. Sean Payton had a lot to do with Drew Brees' success, as did Drew Brees with Sean Payton. It goes hand-in-hand. You can't separate the two. They're, there's a big word, amalgamated together. Okay, they are. Look at you. I know. I mean, someone's gotten (laughs) smart. Well, it's my general studies degree from the University of Idaho. My education is an inch deep and a mile wide. I know a lot of shit about just a like a very just enough to be dangerous. Just a, just a surface like a, I've got a surface understanding of a lot of shit. That's well, how maybe it works. maybe you can explain probably to a New England Patriot fan what's going on with Mac Jones because there is just this you know for for a buttoned up organization like the New England Patriots yeah. where very little comes out there just seems to be a lot of smoke out there when it comes to Mac Jones and that the Patriots aren't happy with Mac and that they've been reportedly shopping Mac Jones and uh, Mac has gone outside the organization Mm -hmm. to uh, work with people that he trusts. Where, where do you think the, the Mac Jones Patriot thing is happening going? Where, where's, where's this thing going to end up? Is, is, is this headed for a divorce? Yeah, it it does feel that way, doesn't it? And it does feel like and I don't know because, you know, I go back to not last season, but the season before last, mm-hmm. doing a New England-New Orleans game where the Patriots were just effusive, both Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, effusive in their praise for rookie quarterback Mac Jones. Like, there is nothing we can't give him from a – his appetite for knowledge is insatiable. Like, no matter what I give him, that guy – can digest it that night, bring it back the next day, and not make a mistake in practice and and can execute it. Not only that, talking about keeping us out of bad plays in-game. Like that dude will walk up the line of scrimmage and and he's got complete, as a rookie, complete and total authority to change the play to get us out of a bad look and, and get us into a better, you know, a better concept. Like, they were effusive in their praise for Mac Jones' understanding. Now, is it an ability issue? Right? Because I know a lot of smart dudes that can't play. Like there's there's a there's a guy, there's, you know, the greaseboard warriors, mm-hmm. right? Those guys that can get up and draw the diagrams and draw the plays and do all of that stuff and be impeccable in their knowledge of the game and where they should go with the ball and all that stuff. And when they get into games, they piss down their legs. 
There's a ton of those dudes out there. They're a dime a dozen. But it's really hard to to be able to do all that stuff in the classroom and then take it out and the picture just unfolds to you or that you're athlete enough to execute every throw, to execute every, you know, every scenario that that comes up during the course of a game. And and then you think about what they were able to accomplish under Tom Brady all those years. That stoic, you know, in the pocket, and I've said this a million times, Tom Brady was the best scrambler in football that never actually left the pocket. The dude's pocket awareness, his ability to slide and to move and to manipulate that pocket and throw strikes was unlike anybody else. He absolutely scrambled within, you know, a six-by-six box or whatever it is. And he was incredible in doing that. Maybe Mac, as a drop-back guy, does not have that same pocket ability. But, okay, go ahead. But let me me counter Okay. Tom Brady wasn't a legend, wasn't the GOAT right from day one. He had to grow into that role. And if my memory serves me correct, at no point in the early years of Tom Brady's career in New England did he ever have a defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator as his offensive coaches. Correct. All those those things are true, 100% true. And I think the other thing you have to understand is that was the league back then. Like there was, there were, there weren't quarterbacks that like every guy coming out wasn't a RPO run, you know, quarterback counter. That those guys weren't. That's not what college football was giving the NFL. That's what college football is giving the NFL now. And I know this to be a fact. Bill Belichick has said many times. Like, one of the toughest guys he had to defend was Cam Newton. He had trouble defending Cam Newton. And when you start looking at the league now and saying, okay, what the what the league is giving us or what college football is giving us is these athletes that play quarterback that can do a lot of different things and really test the defense. And when it gets to numbers, you can get favorable number counts. So if you if you split a defense right down the middle, right, so there's 11 guys, right? So let's split it down the middle and say, hey, we got six guys on one side on the formational strength and five guys on the other, okay? So now all of a sudden, we got five guys on this side of the, uh, of the structure. Now all of a sudden, we get, you know, we get multiple guys, tight ends, everything else. And now all of a sudden, we motion a, you know, motion a tight end over, then, then bring a fly sweep with a wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, we're running QB you know, QB counter that way. Now we've taken our numbers and now we've got six on five with with a, a quarterback that's running the ball. So that's not only 11 on 11 football. If you split the field in half, now we got seven guys on your five guys. I like my odds. Mm-hmm. And a lot of teams would tell you, the Ravens including, uh, I've had this conversation with the Chicago Bears, okay. Our guys are taking about the same number of hits or significant hits running the football as they are in the pocket. And people would also tell you, hey, Baltimore Ravens, yeah, Lamar has missed 10 games the last two years. Both injuries came in the pocket. So the game is changing, and I just wonder if Bill Belichick sees a ceiling for Mac Jones that he's like, 
based upon Josh Allen and his ability. Like, Josh Allen has as many yards as any quarterback in football when it comes to running the ball over the last couple of years. Like, that guy's getting 750 rushing yards per year. So, if he's looking at, you know, Mac Jones, if he's looking at maybe two and not so much, but he's looking at the landscape of the AFC right now going, dude, Mac Jones takes us to a point, and that point is just, you know, peeking over the edge of the playoffs, but maybe not necessarily getting there or being, you know, being a wild card team that yeah. skates in but can never do anything come playoff time. Well, I, look, I'm not going to argue with you that you can see a, a shift in the kind of quarterbacks that are going to be playing in the league, but we're not that far removed from just the classic pocket quarterback winning sure. all the recent Super Bowls, okay? Brady, Roethlisberger, Flacco, Manning. I'm talking about goats and great quarterbacks right. and good quarterbacks that were able to win Super Bowls playing that style. I'm not saying that Mac Jones belongs in that category, but before we take the pocket-only quarterback and put him mm-hmm. out to pasture, shouldn't we see what he looks like with an actual real-life offensive coordinator right. before we completely judge this guy? Yeah, I mean, he was a, a playoff quarterback his first year, and then you gave him Matt Patricia as his, as right. his offensive coordinator— let let's see what he looks like with a real offensive coordinator this year, Bill O'Brien. Before you 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 say he can't play in this. I, league. I would I would agree with that. I mean, let, let's face it, Burrow is more of a pure drop back guy, sure. um, but he's got unbelievable pocket presence. But I, I'll say this: when you put Mac Jones up athletically, talent wise, all that kind of stuff, forget about like the the game is still from the neck up as a quarterback, right? But if the neck up stuff is equal, okay, let's just say it's equal, and you put him against Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. I know. Wait, wait, yeah. Josh Allen. Sure. Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Burrow. Give me a give me a list of the other other guys in the AFC right, just in the AFC right now. Like if you put him up from and say, hey, the neck up is all equal, but we're talking about just pure athleticism now going forward. Mac Jones is in your top. Five, six, seven. No, you're right. And so if you're looking at that going, man, we are pressed up against the ceiling, what gives us a better chance? I like then, again, then, what's your, then what's your alternative, Bill Belichick? What are you where are you going? What direction are you going in instead? I like I can't I Bailey Zappy? Yeah, Bailey Zappy is huh? more athletic. Um I don't know. Like I I, I really don't know. I, but I can't believe I can't. I say this, you know, and maybe like maybe I'm wrong. I can't believe that a kid who's trying to get better that doesn't have an offensive coordinator because you didn't give him one and reached out to his former college coach, I think it was Steve Sarkeesian that he reached out to, has you so pissed off that you're like, I'm you're dead to me. Right. I'm done with you. I, right. I can't believe I cannot believe that's the only reason. Okay, we'll see how that plays out. You mentioned Joe Burrow. Interesting comments from Carson Palmer, Mm -hmm. who was on a podcast with his brother, Jordan Palmer, the QB Room podcast, in which he was talking about Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Here's Carson Palmer. Quote, I think Joe is the best quarterback in the league. I know Patrick is phenomenal, but I just think Joe's more consistent He's more accountable to run the system and the play that's called and not feel like, well, he didn't win last time and get open for me, so I'm going to do it with my feet. 
Joe is just talk about not having a weakest. He's mentally strong, physically tough, accurate, can throw it far enough, fast enough. He gets the ball out quick, and then he can actually do a lot with his legs. That's great. What do you think about that, Chiefs Kingdom? Yeah. Um, I think that I think that's great. Uh, he's more traditional. He is, uh, you know, I don't want to say this. He he's more apt at executing the the what the system is asking him to. Like that just sounds like the prototypical drop back Carson Palmer guy that wants to rely on, on that. Whereas, let's face it, Mahomes can do all those things. He's proven that he can do all those things. But the beauty of Mahomes is, eh, when things break down, I just go out and make bigger plays than everybody else. I, like, like, Mahomes is always the right answer 100% of the time. Burrow is never the wrong answer. Burrow is Burrow's incredible. And the biggest, the biggest thing for me with Burrow is, you know, accuracy and timing and all those things. I, I get you. Balls. The biggest thing about Burrow is balls. That guy has got gigantic clackers. That his nuts should be hanging off a redneck's bumper hitch. <laughs> yes. That's where they should be hanging because that dude will stand there and take Rydell to the teeth to deliver a football. Like he dude is that dude, that dude is tough. You're building and everybody out there watching could play along. You're uh, building an NFL team. For the next seven years. Okay. You could build around Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lamar, and I'll throw Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence in there. Okay. Bunch of AFC quarterbacks. Right. Yeah. Who are you building around? Uh, Mahomes first. No question. No, no, none. I would go Burrow second. Um, Hard to go against Josh Allen. Josh Allen's pretty good. Lawrence, Lamar, uh, Herbert. Lawrence. Lawrence needs a haircut. <laughs> really? Yes. No, no. That's like Samson right there. Don't cut the hair. Dude, like if it had some body, that'd be one thing. Not enough volume? It's just poker straight. It's just too straight. Like, I like it needs to like he needs a perm. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to say. I'm going to say. I'm trying to picture Trevor Lawrence. The guy. Now the the guy needs to. Like when look. you're a baseball dude. Like you're a baseball dude, and you've got you know you got your hat on, and you got the 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 like curls and the hang out. That's cool. When when it's just Joe Dirt straight. Like Trevor Lawrence is the Joe Dirt of the NFL. Oh, now that's just that's. It's just I, too. I don't know. I, don't know. I, just, I find the hair to be gl- gl- glorious. I, I. Well, I mean. Well, okay. See. <laughs> I mean. Here we go, folks. This is the yeah. part of the podcast where Mark body shames me. Go I'm ahead. just. I'm just saying. <laughs> with a forehead like that, I would love. I love Trevor Lawrence's hair too. Yeah, you could see why I'd probably be. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very envious of a you lot could of quarterbacks. Crump over the back and hang it on the front and make bangs. You'd look like uh you'd look like uh, Mark Davis. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh but oh but I, I'm but like you just mentioned all those AFC quarterbacks. I I, I missed most of them, right? I missed right. I missed over half of them. Right. Like and you and all of a sudden, like that's like that Sesame Street game you used to play. One of these things. It's not like the other. One of these right. things just doesn't belong. Right. 
Put Mac Jones in that conversation of Mahomes, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, uh, Justin Herbert. Like, one of these things doesn't belong. Yeah. It's him. Well, and, and think about that. We haven't even got to Deshaun Watson, you know, right. who's being paid the, the biggest contract uh-huh. in the NFL. Russell Wilson, who got a big contract, and it was a big trade that the Broncos had to give up. And you're confident that Russell Wilson bounces back this year, but right. where does he fit in the AFC hierarchy? Well, he doesn't belong in that in that conversation no, know, but, right but, now but either. But the point, though, is that, you know, we're getting ready for a draft, and we'll talk more about the draft uh, later on this week, but... You know, you're going to see a bunch of teams run out and draft quarterbacks. And even in the AFC, you could be a team that feels really secure, like we have our guy, a quarterback, but yet you're still looking up and there's three, four, or even if you got Burrow, you could be looking and saying there's still Mahomes ahead of us. Unless you're Mahomes in Kansas City. You know, okay, you got a quarterback, but still, have you have you right. have you got it all figured out? Right, and everybody in in, in Kansas, and let's face it, everybody in the AFC is looking for Kansas City. Like, just wait until you know until Travis Kelsey retires, then right, right, then right. then we got a chance, right? right? So, but you know, you take a team like the Chargers, uh, and and you could easily be sitting there as a Charger fan, say, all right, we got Justin Herbert, and and yeah, that's great, you got Justin Herbert, and you could argue that there's at least four or five quarterbacks in the AFC you're still looking up at, yeah. So you, it's great to have the quarterback, but as the AFC will probably show us this year, that doesn't mean your work's done. Far from it. Dude, how much, like, when you look at the AFC and the quarterback, like just the quarterbacks they have in the AFC, think about the NFC right now. Like, you got a pretty clean path to play in an NFC championship game if you can just get a quarterback – it's worth a squirt of piss. Well, you were you when you played for Washington. The NFC was like that. It was completely loaded, and some AFC teams would have that easier path to get to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and they get drubbed by the NFC. Yeah, you could be looking at that scenario playing out here for a few years in in yeah. the AFC. It was it was it was the NFC went in like thirteen straight yeah. until I left the NFC Correct. and moved to the AFC, and then the whole axis of power shifted. Okay, well, it was like 13 straight NFC championships. NFC teams won the Super Bowl, and then I moved to the AFC, and lo and behold, the Broncos won back-to-back championships. Coincidence? There he is, folks. I think not. The great Mark Schlereth. <laughs> I think not. So it's a shifter I'm like, of power. Right. I am like, uh, who's, who's the guy? Uh, footloose guy. Kevin Macon. I'm like six degrees of, of Kevin Macon. I can somehow I can I can manage yes. to make all the championships about me. Yes. Yeah. We'll pay no attention to the fact that John Elway was still there, that Peyton Manning was getting ready to get drafted, and that some guy named Brady was on the horizon as well. Right. We'll pay no attention to that. Not that does not count. It does not count. When the power shifted, it was me going from the NFC to the AFC. And, you know, and carrying that Elway guy and Terrell Davis. I mean, boy, where would they be without you? He missed a quarter. Still won the MVP. (laughs) Anyhow. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Stinking Truth podcast, we appreciate you. We're going to start diving into the draft a little bit more, kind of philosophy, players, the whole nine yards. So uh, make sure you look forward to that. Subscribe, uh, like it, uh, send it to your friends. I don't know how you do all that. I don't know the Internet very well. But uh, anyhow, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back with you later on in the week.